plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I am Grant Goldberg, joined by Spike Friedman. And we have a very special guest today, Natalie Weiner of Bleacher Report. Uh, we are going to hit our first topic in a, in a short second. But Natalie, how are you doing today? And, and thank you for coming on the show. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I mean, people will care a little less about how Spike's doing, but we'll ask and, and make sure he's doing all right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm doing fine. Look, I don't mean to brag, but I meant to get a run-in before recording the podcast at 10 a.m., so that means I woke up at a real grown-up time today. Uh, <laughs> take that, people. That's who impressive. Don't Thank you. Thank you. Finally, someone is impressed with my ability to wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> All right, so the productivity for this podcast just exponentially just rose, so... Oh yeah, I'm still I'm I am coursing with energy today, so this is going to be a good one, uh, and it's a really exciting one because we got Natalie here, and it's going to be great. We got the curse crew <laughs> right. in one yeah. curse crew. I was I was going to do a little bit of wordplay after you said coursing and uh, switch it to cursing because that's the first <laughs> thing we're going to hit on. Jermaine curse, obviously. How could we not? Natalie, you know, we've seen him bloom into the number one option in in New York. Like, he's always destined to be. How do you feel watching him score touchdowns as a New York Jet? I mean, I feel a little tiny, tiny tinge of sadness that it's not on the Seahawks. But I am so happy to see him flourishing in my current city. Like, maybe it was all destiny. He just wanted to be in the city where I live because, you know, I appreciate his greatness more than almost anyone, I think. Yeah, he, he feels he feels the love and energy coursing throughout Manhattan, and <laughs> <laughs> so so he's he's obviously destined to succeed in New York. Spike, I know you're also part of the Curse Crew. Now, would you say that he's going to lead the Jets past the AFC Championship now, since he played such an integral part in the Seahawks moving on towards the Super Bowl two times? Yeah, I think that, oh man, it's tough to picture, if I'm being totally honest. (laughs) I'm picturing, because I'm picturing some injuries hitting, I'm picturing it being Bryce Petty at at Foxborough, or maybe Arrowhead, you know, they're down six, they get, they you know, it's it's that great Bryce Petty hard count, that gets that cheap (laughs) defensive line to jump across. He says, Curse knows to do the go route. You know, Bryce Petty, the most accurate passer in the league, is going to drop it on his hands from 40 yards <laughs> out at Arrowhead Stadium and crush the Chiefs' through. Now that I say through it, yeah, I think it's inevitable. I think that the Jets winning the AFC and making the Super Bowl uh, is almost inevitable at this point. I put a, the odds around 75, 80%. Right. Yeah, I mean, 
Like, honestly, if Chris doesn't get in the Hall of Fame at this point, like, it's just, I, I'm not going to be able to understand it. In the short term, I would love with my whole heart if they beat the Patriots on Sunday. Like, how incredible would that be? I mean, oh Jermaine Curse has beaten the Patriots before, so it wouldn't be out of out of question. And Stephon Gilmore looks terrible this year in a way that, like, doesn't make any sense. And so the <laughs> idea of, like, Bill Belichick finally spending all his money on a cornerback and having him get shredded by Jermaine Curse, like, <laughs> that would be, uh Or or to do it right in Malcolm Butler, to, to get Butler-related oh revenge. God. Either yeah. way, I am stoked at the possibility even honestly even if they don't win and curse plays either of their cornerbacks on one play that's a w for me i think the most perfect thing would be him scoring a touchdown on a slant route on butler and then saying (laughs) this was for my boy ricardo (laughs) i mean he's like been pretty on point remember when he did the fizzle dance in oakland like he's like he's got his wits about him when he gets those touchdowns so i don't think it's outside the realm of possibility like Uh, as much time as we're taking like talking about jermaine curse like doing touchdown celebrations i think maybe he's carving out like a small portion of his day just to like run over them in in his head (laughs) (laughs) well and i'm like does he unpoop the football or something (laughs) like that was just, Doug. That wasn't Curse. No, I know, but like, does he undo it to remove the negative oh, energy? Okay. And I you think that, could, that could be misconstrued like, in so many ways, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, and now that I, now that I'm picturing that, in addition to picturing the AFC Championship game, I just want the one where Bryce Petty beats the Chiefs, and not the one where Jermaine Curse does something that becomes national news for all the wrong reasons. Right. No, that would be bad. My sad Jermaine Curse story is I did actually go to one Jets game this season, the Jets-Dolphins game, but it was for Anthem stuff, so I had to go to the Dolphins locker room afterwards, so I couldn't go find Curse and, like, tell him how amazing he is. It was really tragic, and he also didn't have a great game that day, and I was like, the one time I'm at MetLife watching the Jets, and you have to be mediocre. Murphy's Law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, speaking of former Seahawks that we love unconditionally, uh, Christine Michaels, obviously not on the team anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> now, my question is, is there a Seahawk that we will now unconditionally love with our entire beings? Is it Chris Carson? I mean, yeah, but he's gone now for the season. Yeah. I was really upset. It is upsetting. Uh, how, d- yeah, if you were to rank the remaining running backs, uh, I guess Lacey, Rawls, Procise, and McKissick, uh, let's throw Trey Madden in there. Why not? Uh, who, who do you think is most likely to get that sort of fan favorite, that sort of like fan favorite vibe around them? I mean, I feel like if Thomas Rawls can get it together a little bit, like he already had that because yeah. he's like such a sweet guy. But if he keeps being basic, I don't know. <laughs> I will say being at the at the game live, uh, something you don't see on TV. Guys, I was at the game this week, <laughs> so I got some insight. But it is the like as substitutions are happening and because we have like four okay but not great running backs right now the substitutions are constant and also with Doug Baldwin being hurt every every play had a different package when Rawls goes on and off the field he like sprints full speed with like his arms out like an airplane <laughs> like he's like high stepping he's like get, he's like pumped up in a way that like no one else is and i was like 
man, that must be why Pete Carroll, like, I, this is the only reason why Pete Carroll loves him so much, but it definitely helps that he's that guy who, like, it's all it's that always on time, be early, you know, sprint around like an idiot. Like, Thomas Rawls is living that life, and if he can just start, like, finding the holes that he was able to find as a rookie, I think you're right. He has that potential to reclaim our hearts. Right. Yeah, if, I if mean, he's still, like, yeah. he has my heart because of the girl with the, the Christmas girl, Christmas jersey girl. That Remember this story? Yeah. The girl got a Rawls jersey for Christmas and, like, freaked out about it on Instagram. And then he met her and they were both crying. And it was, like, the single most adorable thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Oh, I had forgotten about that. Now I'm getting oh. a little misty. Over. <laughs> if, our, if our sponsor was Kleenex, that'd be really clutch right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we don't have a sponsor today that would have been such a good segue grant but oh, man. you blew it uh well, I, i'd be blowing it into a tissue right now if i had <laughs> <laughs> can i throw jd mckissick's hat into the ring how are people feeling after we had the obviously the incredible mckissick game to throttle the colts mckissick had our biggest play from scrimmage in the win over the rams maybe not the same sort of consistent dominance that he had. How are people feeling on the McKissick train right now? I mean, aren't you talking about Eddie Lacy? I just want to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I think like it's one of those things where it could easily be a flash in the pan, I think. And also it seems like they're giving him a lot of wide receiver kind of snaps too. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's just, again, I'm not like super X's and O's analysis person, but it seems like he's functioning as a receiver a lot as well as a running back. Like I was looking at the rushing stats and Russell Wilson is just behind him in yards per an attempt, but he had 25 more attempts as a rusher. So yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. He, uh, he, he definitely has a lot of potential and we see his game breaking ability, but we're going to have to see it more consistently. I feel. Yeah, I guess that is part of part of Kristen Michael is that he he in the, the tantalizing the tantalizing potential of someone that fast and shifty to be like a running back, running back. And I guess like yeah, we don't we don't have that right now. We have Rawls and Lacey are more traditional, and then Procise and McKissick are clear third down hybrids. And Carson was the missing link, and now he's hurt. And it's a tragedy, and I'm sad about it. And uh, can we talk about something that's less sad, Grant? Well, I mean, I was going to talk about the the running game a little bit more, but we'll, okay, we'll, fine. We'll, no, we'll, no, no. Talk about it. No, talk about it. Fine. I'll I'll get my emotions. <laughs> well, just just because it's making Spike so sad, and he had such energy at the beginning of the podcast, and now he's at the lowest point. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the running game has hit a wall. Like I said, last week's wall was Aaron Donald. And you're not going to have a very good time facing him. He basically blew up a few plays on his own. Uh, he just abused Odeo Bushi and, and literally threw Eddie Lacy to the ground. And that's been kind of the fitting description of our running game in the past five weeks. It's, it's just people breaking through the line and, and throwing us to the ground. Natalie, do you have any any suggestions for the Seahawks in the running game or anything that you've noticed so far through five weeks? Uh, I mean, aside from the tragedy of Chris Carson, which is like probably, I hope it doesn't like define our season, yeah, but, um, I, I think it's like top five saddest things ever. <laughs> it's, it's up there for sure. Um, I mean, this is, I think 
more a question I have than anything else. Like, are we going to blame the offensive line for this? Or is the running back talent just not, not quite hitting their marks as it like, I don't know who's to blame in this situation. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, and I, th- it might, it, and is it like the play construction, like, or is it just like the combination of an absence of talent means that the play construction is weird or right. should we just stop trying to run the ball? Like, there's a lot of talk about like maybe the Jaguars shouldn't even have Blake Portals on the field. They should just have an <laughs> like skill position player or an extra blocker or something. Like maybe we just just throw it every down and see what happens. Like I don't know. I have, I'm all for 55 throws a game from Russell Wilson, but I don't think that's good for his health going forward. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about what you said about uh, the play construction and the personnel, and you see them run Lacey outside a few times a game and you kind of scratch your head and wonder why. And like, it seems like instances where they just throw all the creativity out the window and they have them run up the middle or they throw, or they, they give the ball to Lacey outside and you, you're kind of wondering, you know, what the heck are you doing? And so I, I think they need to get a little more creative and, mm-hmm. and really tailor the place to the personnel that they have. Yeah, it does seem like they're just kind of throwing away some downs. Like, they're like, okay, we'll just have him try and go through our terrible offensive line. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know. And it's just like, he goes like one yard. And it's like, why did we do that? I don't, don't, yeah, I don't have the answers. I don't, no one has, there, I just think like there is no, maybe there's no answer. Maybe like, and that's a bummer. Like, it's like, like Christian Michael not being able to solve his Rubik's Cube. You know, yes. I just sent him a message and I asked him if he ever solved it and he didn't respond. Oh, really upsetting. You sent him I, into a shame spiral. <laughs> that's that's the new National Treasure movie. <laughs> Finding out if Christian Michael ever finished that Rubik's Cube. Because if he did, it's going to unleash the power of the <laughs> Masonic Constitution. I mean, it probably would. <laughs> like, <Yeah. let's> be <laughs> Kristen Michael has Daniel Boone's uh, Rubik's Cube. This is, I don't know. I don't know why I'm pitching this out for free on a podcast. Guys, you gotta come out to Hollywood. Home of, home of the real Seahawks fan. Yeah, exactly. Kristen uh, Michael really should go to Hollywood. I feel like that's his destiny. Just, like, yeah. stop trying to play for the Colts, which is going to end in disaster no matter what happens, you know. Hear me out. Go to the Chargers and single-handedly make them relevant in Los Angeles. <laughs> it's, it's so sad out here, guys. I will say I will say the Rams managed to have more fans than the Seahawks in the crowd. They didn't know when to be loud yet, but, like, they definitely, like, there will be Rams fans in this city I don't know about the Chargers. It was so bad. It was so ill-advised. What is happening? I don't know. I, I, I witnessed it firsthand. I live in Southern California like you, Spike. And I went to the Seahawks-Chargers preseason game, and there were Go Hawks chants, and it, it felt like a home away from home. And it, it's just kind of sad to see that franchise existing in Los Angeles. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 terrible. Eagles fans took it over, and it's, it's just... Yeah pitiful honestly but uh, speaking of someone who's not pitiful someone who uh really livens things up you know on the field off the field nico thorpe the fourth migo or migos yes i don't i don't know the singular <laughs> plural form for that but 
he he definitely i mean he fits the bill he he lived in in georgia and he gave some love to spike on instagram which i'm definitely not mad online about because i definitely didn't <laughs> screenshot that that picture of him Aww. 30 minutes earlier but uh yeah he's he's basically everything good about the seahawks and and he just embodies everything good so uh I'll, I'll let whoever wants to jump on the thorpe train first express their love about him i'm good i i feel I, so. yeah exactly like we're best like i don't need to say anything he's already <laughs> he's already said everything he needs to say by not totally cropping my name out of his instagram it, it was only half cropped out but he yeah, handle, he, you know he cropped, he cropped the picture out he's like i don't want to see people i don't want to see this i don't want to see this weird dude with his cat but definitely want his name out there so he you know it's sort of an on the DL sort of best friend situation, but I appreciate it. Right, so I, I might be violating some kind of pact you guys have of like just like totally Don't. talking about each other. So yeah, uh, if I'm overstepping, just let me know. No, that's all I can say. Natalie, talk I, about me. I was just like really impressed that I had tweeted he's the fourth amigos, even if somebody else tweeted that and no, I didn't see it and I wasn't copying them. I, it was an original thought that I had because he just genuinely looks like offset in that picture. So does. But, um, anyway, the fact that he had the resourcefulness to search his own name and also that he appreciated being called the fourth amigos and didn't find it, you know, offensive or belittling. Like I respect that. And I think he's great. And I hope he continues to search his name interact with people who tweet about him right. <laughs> because it's it's fun for everyone right he uh he he definitely looked like offset he didn't look like takeoff and but i'm i'm now getting mad that he was left off bad and bougie <laughs> i mean if they have room for little uzi vert they definitely have room for nico <laughs> thorpe right yes. we need to set that in motion we'll, we'll we'll tweet out something about nico thorpe and and being left off bad and bougie and he'll search it he'll find it and then Hopefully he'll get in contact with their with his friends in Migos. I right. bet yeah. he's friends with Migos. Like, I mean, if he's from those Atlanta suburbs, like, it's not that hard to find. Like, I actually did a story about Quavo's high school quarterbacking career, which you can read on BleacherReport.com. And it is not that difficult to locate people in Georgia who know Migos or knew Migos when, you know, because they were out there being cool people who had a lot of friends, so. <laughs> that's awesome i didn't read that and now i'm going to uh read that uh speaking of the southeastern portion of the country this is not my best segue but i'm leaning into it uh miami had a little bit of a controversy this week uh natalie is a national football <laughs> writer so we're gonna move away from the seahawks for a second but don't worry we're gonna move right back to them but miami had a little bit of a controversy this week as their offensive line coach in a revenge video from his mistress was shown on tape identifying himself and doing a bunch of lines of cocaine. I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched the whole video. Is it okay? First of all, how, how is the video? Like, is it a, like, it just seemed like it would be too cringe inducing. It was like, yeah. an, it was like a bad episode of Nathan for you. Was it that bad? I mean, it's pretty alarming. I mean, it's just like, the thing is, it's surprising, but it's not that surprising if you've had any experiences with terrible men, which I unfortunately have. Like, so a lot of people are like, oh my God, why is he taking a video of himself doing this and sending it to people? And it's like, I've seen some regrettable 
videos in my life of like men doing stupid things. And it's like, why are you taking a video of this and sending it to other people? I don't know, but it happens. Yeah, it was. It was not that surprised, but it's hilarious. It was. It was very cringeworthy. Um, I I did my Twitter part of putting Kanye's dark fantasy on there, (laughs) and just had that opening as as he just took the first line. So. If if you want to find the video, it's on my Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, uh, and just a shameless shameless Twitter plug for Jesus. Uh, but I think the important question is now we know that assistant coaches have their people, and that means they have vices. And Natalie, you pitched this, and I want to run through it. Who? Let's 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 talk about the key Seattle assistant coaches coaches. What do we think their vices are? Let's start with an easy one. Let's start with Chris Richard. (laughs) I don't know why that's an easy one. It just seems like a gentle way to start. It's definitely gentle. I mean, I was contemplating this, and I feel like Chris Richard and I actually have the same vices, which would be red wine and HGTV. I just feel like (laughs) I can see myself, like, hanging out with Chris Richard, just, like, watching some home renovating shows and drinking red wine. Like, he's a chill guy like that. Yeah, I, I was, can I was see definitely it. going a little weirder with that. I was, I okay. was going to say he, go? he looks at other coaches' goatees and, and looks at it and studies <laughs> and sees how he can get better with his. <laughs> like, he, he looks at Clay Thompson's. Like that's like, that's, that's, not, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's not what to do. Yeah, that's just, that's just good grooming practice. You, you, I'm constantly checking out other blogger, other like Jewish dude blogger beards and being like, how can I get a little scruffier without being too, you know, that's just good. That's just good research. Like, it's like, I'm like talking about it, like as like an unhealthy obsession, like he like needs to be the best with it. Fair. Fair. Uh, Do I have a Christmas? I, I mean, if I'm picturing him. I'm picturing him like like making a like making a paella for himself and being like, <laughs> "This is three meals worth of paella," and then just eating it all in one sitting, <laughs> and then feeling f- terrible after. I shouldn't be swearing. Grant, bleep that out so we don't get right. more negative reviews on iTunes. I swear. Sorry, sorry to the people in Utah who are mad at me. They're out there. <laughs> um, but but when I talk about Chris Richard's paella, I get worked up. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So okay, let's move on. Next assistant coach. Uh, let's talk Daryl Bevel. We got our offensive coordinator. What is Daryl Bevel's vice, Natalie? Okay. Well, I'm just gonna go with what I talked to you about over DM because for, I don't know why it feels on point, but it really does. Um, Daryl Bevel drinking Michelob Ultra while working on his model trains. Like, I don't know. That's just like that's what he does. I, I was. In his I spare was... Time. I was thinking it's... an unhealthy obsession with collecting My Little Pony dolls. <laughs> <laughs> That one's way better. You see, you see the cold stare in his eyes. Just sometimes when it pan, the camera pans to him, and that's only a stare of a man that collects way too many My Little Pony dolls. Guys, I think you're both right, and I think he's got like a, he pictures a world where where like My Little Ponies have train technology, and he's like, I'm going to realize this in my basement. Yeah, no, I'm going like... to make this happen to scale. Right. He's no, like, he yeah, has to like order custom 
train parts to make it work. <laughs> he, he has the train parts. He has the My Little Ponies, but he definitely calls himself the conductor. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love that we both went to toys. I think that's a very interesting, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know why, like, old, what, maybe it's something about manipulating the offense and, like, he needs to have little pawns to deal with. I don't it, know. It definitely says more about him than us. Definitely. Without <laughs> yeah. question. Definitely. All right, let's hit this one quick, Tom Cable. What do we got on Tom Cable? Throwing the remote at the TV when he's <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's more mild than where I was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would say Tom Cable's vices are definitely destroying offensive line talent and also beating women. <laughs> but, it's on the record. He's on the record with both. Allegedly. 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 Allegedly, uh, allegedly the police reports are alleged. They're, yeah. they're just not gotten a conviction. And finally, let's move on. The kingpin himself, Pete Carroll. What are Pete Carroll's vices? Uh, easy, chewing gum. Well, yeah. Yes. Gum and allegedly grad students. Allegedly. Allegedly. This has been allegedly the Seahawks <laughs> coach advices. <laughs> oh, We're never going to get Pete on the podcast now. I don't care about Tom, but we got to. <laughs> Pete, we got, we, got some, we got some rebuilding to do in our relationship with Pete Carroll. To, we to be fair, on the show. Pete's got to go on Chapo. Like, Pete go on Chapo. Pete Carroll, he's got conspiracy theories. For me, I thought Pete Carroll's vice might just be, like, be, like, going into the bad parts of Reddit, but just, like, contradicting everybody there. <laughs> like, like they were four-star generals that he was sat at a dinner table with. But I'm also not 100% sure Pete Carroll has ever used a computer. So yeah, I don't no. know. Like, I feel like that's... Like, I feel like he's got a flip phone, but he's got, like, six flip phones, like, <laughs> in his natural element. He's, like, the best T9 texter in the world. I don't know what's Definitely. happening with Carroll. I think a- his other advice could be just listening to the seven habits of highly effective people book on tape, like, over and over and over. But Yeah, <laughs> that's his goatee groom. <laughs> Guys, I think yes. we still, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think we still got one more <laughs> crucial, crucial topic to get to, uh, and that is uh, our our team's best running back, arguably, who we didn't even mention the running back <laughs> on the podcast, but it's Bobby Wagner. Great, can you talk a little bit about what Bobby Wagner's been up to? Well, the besides, past- yeah, besides him being an awesome, or shall I say? dope middle linebacker uh he he took to twitter which normally i'd advise against uh some some athletes have taken to twitter but bobby wagner he has you know full access full reign but bobby wagner <laughs> took to twitter last night and he it was a giant love fest of sorts and he he was just shouting out everyone basically he's saying that everyone is is dope and i i agree that a lot of people are dope the people that he that he Listed at first, he said, M is dope, Kendrick is dope, Jay-Z is dope, Schoolboy Q is dope, J. Cole is dope, Nas is dope, Magic is dope, Oprah is dope, Diddy is dope. It, it goes on. He, oh, he says SZA is very dope. So that's that's something I didn't see. So SZA, I guess, is above everybody else in the dopeness <laughs> rankings. But we knew that already, right? Right. <laughs> if, you, if you listen to her album and, and her whole discography... Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty clear to see says it's very dope. <laughs> um yeah, I think this this thread is intriguing. 
um, it feels very on brand for Bobby Wagner because, like, he's just, like, that kind of guy that would pick one adjective and call a bunch of different people the same adjective. <laughs> I feel like that's just, it's right. And also I appreciate the subtle flex here because, like, he's the one who's friends with Kendrick Lamar and is the reason that Kendrick came to Seahawks practice. Yeah. And he's shouting out all the top dog entertainment people. He's like, Top and Dave are dope. Like, you know, Top Dog and Dave Free. And it's like, okay, we get it, Bobby. You're friends with Kendrick Lamar <laughs> and his record label. Um, he's, he's gonna, he's he also tweet, later. He's going to tweet, Humble Brags are dope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Harris Whittle's RIP. Um, but uh, I will say. Uh, they, well, it was something interesting. I was watching the Seahawks All Access video, and in the linebackers' like pump up moment, it was DJ Alexander leading the pump up. Like, you know, like uh, on the D line, it's Michael Bennett. In in the uh, defensive backfield, it's Earl Thomas. It's Cam. It's Richard. It's the big names in the other units. It's Justin Britt on the offensive line, the biggest name of all. Um, <laughs> Uh, but but in the linebackers, it was DJ Alexander and Bobby's just like silently, like just like staring at him like Earl stares at everything. But he's got like his Earl eyes on. And like I was like, Bobby Wagner is silent, silent, but deadly. And and then he goes on Twitter and goes on the dope rant. And it's simple and staccato. And I love that. He, that is how he brings his energy to the table. Uh, and it's just perfect. And, you know, he shouts out his own mother. And again, yeah. I was I was at the game. I don't know if I mentioned that. I was right behind <laughs> the family section, was able to see Richard Sherman's mom from afar and, and had the thought. I was like, oh, Bobby's from down here. I'm sure Bobby's mom is here. And I don't recognize her because she doesn't wear a bejeweled jersey of her son. And so I was like, I was like, I wonder how Bobby Wagner's relationship with his mom. Is it like Richard Sherman? Is she a big booster? And the answer is yes, because his family is dope, especially his mother. And so it's just a lot of good news. <laughs> a lot of good news on this Twitter feed. Yeah, last year I was at the game. Uh, I didn't. I didn't mention that as as much as Spike did. Last year I was at the game and I sat next to uh, Brock Coyle's family, specifically oh. his oh. uncle. Yeah, uh, hmm. former Seahawk, now Niner, Brock Coyle, and uh, they were like any typical Montana-based family. So, I mean, it was pretty mild. There was a little bit of cheers, but uh, basically just polite and respectful, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Brock, Brock Coyle's family, I mean, kind of dope, mildly dope. <laughs> I mean, Brock Coyle is like one of the more terrifying-looking people on the planet, like much less ever to play professional football, but I'll go with it. Can is I that... tell my Bobby Wagner story? Yes, yeah. please. Okay. Um, basically, so I went to Cam Chancellor's charity event a couple years ago, and I wrote about it for Complex, but during the basketball game portion of this charity event he has every year in Virginia, um, like, all the Seahawks were there, so I was, like, freaking out, obviously, and I was sitting in the front row, because I had my little press credential thing, and I was right next to Bobby Wagner's brother, whose name is Robert. Um, so I just feel like we need to like, and he looks exactly <laughs> like Bobby, but like a little tiny, tiny, tiny bit different, but they are very similar looking and their names are Bobby and Robert and his brother. I'm not going to say he was like trying to holler, but I could tell he was like a little bit like, Hmm. And he played football. He was still in college at the time. So I was like, no, this isn't going <laughs> to, this isn't going to be a thing, but it was really funny. All right. So this is like yeah. Chris and Cliff Paul. 
basically. Like, Robert is just, like, Bobby's uh, other persona. <laughs> and, like, he was, he was, like, an insurance agent. <laughs> well, I was going to say that it might be a situation where why does Bobby Wagner always have energy? It's because every second quarter it's Robert Wagner out there. <laughs> also, Robert Wagner just realized what that is. Uh, he's not a good guy. But um, the other Robert Wagner who... Who's the is other a, Robert Wagner? He, isn't he, like, a Hollywood guy who, like, killed his wife? Am I, am I, oh, wow. I might be wrong on this. I might be maligning Robert. Oh, no. Oh, man. Nope. He was just married to Natalie Wood when she died. So I'm a monster <laughs> for, suggesting, for suggesting otherwise. I don't know who I was thinking. Um, oh, wait. No. He was. Oh, my God. He, grand jury is threatening to indict him for the 35-year-old oh. mystery death of Natalie Wood. Whoa! Oh, okay. Well, I'm getting this from I'm getting this from a radar article from last year. So I don't I look I don't know I don't know if I'm breaking news allegedly I'm just gonna say allegedly again um, that Robert Wagner allegedly has a bad history, but Bobby Wagner is weird. This Bobby and his brother is Robert. It's just very weird. Um, very, all right, very quickly, uh, we're gonna go back to the subject of athletes on Twitter. And we're gonna we're gonna shout out Earl Thomas for tweeting out a highlight video of himself uh, forcing fumbles at the goal line. I think that it's just a, an alpha dog move. <laughs> and I think the only the only thing Earl has never stared at intensely is his is his Twitter avatar. I think he's he's doing he's doing funny eyes instead of the uh, like cold dead I'm gonna murder you eyes that he usually has on football field. <laughs> I'm looking at him right now, and, like, yeah. I feel like he's just a bad actor, maybe. And, like, you know how, like, uh, maybe you don't know, but I was like, you know when you're directing an actor? I'm like, I don't know if that's an experience. It's, it's, you, it's, you know, something you, everybody does at one point. Yeah, but it is like, you're like, oh, man, this guy, oh, God, he's so good at everything. But it's like, Earl, give me, the, give me your dead eyes. Okay, God, we're going to have to, we're, we're gonna have to <laughs> damn it, I Edit that out, Grant. <laughs> we're gonna have we're gonna have to we're gonna have to clean up those eyes in post. We're gonna have to CGI the real dead eyes over his fake dead eyes. That's the point I was making. Wasn't a great point. Wasn't worth it. Yeah, I think, I think that's like someone telling, "All right, Earl, act normal," and then we get that picture. <laughs> yes. Yeah, or like look approachable and funny and that's like the best he could do because that's just not his vibe but he actually does have a really nice smile like when he's like just chilling it's like he's like it's like aw Uh, yeah I think I think it's like uh it's like the like average sitcom when it's like all right act natural act cool (laughs) and we get (laughs) we get the corny like overacting like I think that's what we're seeing here yeah well we've got it we've got a great team I think that I think that's what we've learned today. Like, <laughs> there are a lot of great people on the Seahawks. Um, it's a bad league, I would say. Mm-hmm. Still, uh, and before we go, uh, we've been having like a lot of fun. We've been pumped up, uh, but uh, Natalie, you're killing it writing about not just the game, but like the stories around the game. And this week, uh sort of the conversation around the anthem has shifted into 
not just the anthem, but like it's a protest about police brutality. And that is shifting as owners are coming out in a way, making certain demands of players. Potentially the league will be reviewing the rules to make it mandatory to not protest police brutality during the national anthem. And I was wondering if you think that this week is potentially going to be seismically different. How do you think the players are going to respond to these new these new parameters coming down from the likes of Jerry Jones and I believe Stephen Ross in Miami who have come mm-hmm. out publicly saying not to protest this week or going forward during the anthem? I mean, it's... I don't really know what to expect. I think we can, I don't know. I feel like it's probably going to be pretty quiet, honestly. And like, I get the sense that a lot of players are frustrated, but also like, are they really going to jeopardize their jobs? Like we see that Colin Kaepernick, like he is being blackballed basically. Like, I mean, that's more or less common knowledge at this point. And, like, he's probably not, he's probably never going to play in the NFL again. Like, seems safe to assume, kind of looking at the fallout that's happening right now. Um, and when Trump first said all this stuff about players being sons of bitches and all that, um, like, that made it very easy for NFL owners to be on the same side as the players because it seemed like he was attacking kind of the NFL as a unit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But now that, the money is in play from sponsorships and the fact that Jerry Jones has like, who is, you know, I don't want to say a tastemaker in the NFL, but like he is the voice that people listen to. And so for him, you know, I don't know. It's just like that move. Like he just put all the ownership on the opposite side from the players. You know what I mean? Like Trump had put them on the same side by criticizing the NFL in his irrational way. Um, And now they're on different sides. So it's like, do I think a lot of players are going to step out from that when literally their paycheck is on the line, like in a very explicit way? I, I sort of find it hard to believe many will do that, especially since most of the players weren't kneeling this past Sunday. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, the Niners were still, um, and I think, you know, I recently talked to Kenny Stills for a different story that's still to come. But um, since Stephen Ross had told them that they couldn't kneel, they just stayed in the locker room. Um, him and Michael Thomas and Julius Thomas, I believe. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I, what I hope does not happen is that if players don't protest there's like backlash against them because I think it's kind of unfair to be like, well, it's all on you, you know, stand up to the NFL and your owners and, you know, jeopardize everything you have for a protest that many people feel has already been co-opted anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it, well, on that, I don't know the, the contract, like, like you're saying the fact that the teams have essentially flipped and that there is now a division within the league between owners and players that goes back further. And it was kind of amazing that it wasn't there for a minute. Right. Um, I mean, the fact that Jerry Richardson, you know, sent out something that wasn't purely <laughs> trying to destroy the power of the players union mm-hmm. uh, is is out of character for him. And <laughs> and so to see this moment um, morph in this way, it's going to be really interesting to see which players keep doing it. I, yeah. Like I think you said, like 
I would be really surprised if Eric Reed changed, but also he doesn't have that direct pressure from his owners. And mm-hmm. it would be the same thing. I mean, obviously the Hawks are on a bye this week, but I think it would be the same thing with Michael Bennett, where Paul Allen isn't Jerry Jones. Like he's not going to get in there and alienate his players in that way. But if the NFL passes a rule, you know, like I don't, I also right. Paul Allen, like bucking, bucking the league as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, like this is all, I don't know, this whole conversation manages to co like further co-op the protest into being something about patriotism. When again, it's about violence against black bodies in our country, mm-hmm. the institutionalization of that. I don't know. Ah, yeah. I, I, feel, yeah. I feel like, yeah. What Natalie said about the players not deserving backlash if they don't send it's, it's their livelihood. It's, it's, yeah. you know, what their lifeblood basically, I said this before when we we're talking about Cliff's injury, uh, on the last show, but it's their life. It's their job, and and they have families to provide for, and they're not going to jeopardize that. I mean, like like Natalie said, the the protest has been around, and it's it's caused conversation, and and the whole point of it was to get people talking about it and and to mm-hmm. you know, get people thinking and create conversation. So you know, it's it's already started. Not to say that you know they they should stop because I don't think that they should stop. And and until you know we see change in America then, you know, we need to continue to, with these peaceful protests and create conversation and have people talking about this. But it, it's it's definitely not on the players to buck the league and, and not listen to the owners, and especially if it involves them losing their job. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's also interesting to think just at all the teams where nobody knelt, you know, you know, there was some backroom stuff that was going on and the coaches were like, don't do this. You know, it's like, yeah. it's just unlikely to me that the teams like the Jets and the Cardinals and all the other teams where nobody took a knee that nobody on the team wanted to take a knee. I mean, the Jets are owned by a guy who's literally best friends with Trump. So like, it was surprising to me that Kraft was so permissive, you know, yeah. like that, that was a, that was kind of a shocker. But, um, but yeah. yeah, Woody Johnson is not going to let people take a knee. Yeah, exactly. And and going back to what Jerry said, it creates almost a precedent for other owners to come out and say this kind of stuff and agree with him and, and set these league rules. So that's really unfortunate to see for me. Well, I, yeah. I have like two thoughts off of this. One is I wonder if this affects free agency going forward. If your owner has throttled your ability to speak in this way, I wonder if that affects players desire to sign in certain places especially when you look at the top of the free agent market but it also i think more importantly speaks to the weakness of the nfl players union that's largely a function of the dangers of the game which is like there aren't a lot of tenure veterans in the league to sort of toe the line and guys contracts aren't guaranteed so they can't really like risk what like you were saying risk losing their livelihood which makes it just like a radically different situation than what might happen in the NBA this year if Adam Silver lives up to that memo where they crack down. It's like, well, like if LeBron James wants to take, like the players have so much more power there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, like, that's where the NFL can take really notes from from the NBA and their player association because they they have actually you know players as the head, players like Chris Paul and LeBron James and Dwayne Wade who really set the precedents and and stand up for these injustices with the free agency question i actually talked to kenny stills about that oh yeah um and he because he was a free agent this offseason he had knelt the entire previous season you know during the anthem um and he told me he really thinks that it um 
it minimized his options. Uh, like he thought there were a lot of owners that wouldn't look at him because he had been protesting. And one of the reasons he stayed with the Dolphins was actually because Stephen Ross had been so supportive of him, which is which adds, which complicates this whole thing that now suddenly yeah. Stephen Ross is like you have to stand for the anthem because I don't know. It was that was interesting to me when I heard that because all Kenny said to me was that Stephen had been nothing but supportive, that he was like totally with it, and he also said that had Kaepernick um, had uh, Gaze not been connected with Cutler, he was like Kaepernick would be on our team. He said that to me explicitly. He was like, I'm totally sure it's not about the politics. It's just because Gaze knew Cutler before. So interesting. Yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. That uh, is that is that qualify as breaking news? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, cer- it's certainly valuable insight on the Lockdown <laughs> podcast. Natalie, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, yeah, of course. Where where can people find your work out there on the World Wide Web of the Internet? Um. Well, I'm. You know, everything's on Twitter. Obviously, uh, Natalie Weiner. It's just my name. W e i n e r. Um. And then you know, Bleacher Report. My stuff is there. Great. Uh, Grant, where can people find you? I don't know why I'm asking you this. You've, uh, already, you've already promoted your Twitter. Yeah, you usually can, do this. People can find me always on Twitter at Grant Goldberg, just my name. And uh, you can find our Locked on Seahawks stuff on LockedOnSeahawks.com. We're on iTunes, Audio Boom, And so you can find our Twitter page at Locked Seahawks. And uh, if you if you happen to find us on iTunes, you can go ahead and leave a five star review with your Twitter handle, <laughs> and you can be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge membership, which is a forty dollar membership. I know it's it's a little pricey. If you want to learn the game, uh, it's a great opportunity to uh, get it for free and and be able to you know kind of show off to your friends with this knowledge that you have at your fingertips so it's a great membership and uh, you you'll be offered to win one for free if you uh, just put your name uh, twitter handle and uh, five star review on itunes yes and for those of you who would give us a bad review because of my swearing you're only hearing swearing if grant (laughs) didn't go back and censor it grant please remember to do that when you edit uh (laughs) thank you so much for listening uh for lockdown seahawks i'm spike friedman I'm Grant Goldberg, and uh, once again, thank you to Natalie Weiner for joining our show today. Thanks for having me. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.